Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hi and welcome to the podcast everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today I have with us a very special guest, Kwame Christian, all the way from the US. Thank you for joining us, Kwame. Oh, it's a pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, let me tell you a bit about Kwame. So Kwame Christian is a, a business lawyer and he's the founder of the American Negotiation Institute. He is passionate about teaching entrepreneurs and business professionals the art of negotiation so that they can get better deals and advance their careers. He's regularly invited to give negotiation seminars and consults with individuals and companies to create and implement powerful negotiation strategies. He also hosts the top negotiation podcast on iTunes, Negotiation for Entrepreneurs, where he interviews successful entrepreneurs and shares powerful persuasion techniques. So again, thank you so much for joining us, Kwame. Now, there might be some people out there that might be thinking, well, maybe this is not relevant for me because I don't negotiate. I don't do business negotiations. But And we're going to actually debunk that and, and show how, how relevant, very relevant, what you're going to share with us today is for everyone out there, uh, even, if really, if, even if you're not in business. But before we do that, I wanted to, us to know more about you, Kwame. So tell us a bit about yourself where you grew up, what shaped you and took you to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, like I said, my name is Kwame Christian. I'm a first-generation Caribbean-American. So my family, my mom and dad, both are from the Caribbean. And so I grew up in a small town in, in rural Ohio. So culturally, it was very interesting because I, at the time, I had a very strong Caribbean accent. And um, mm-hmm. obviously, I was one of the um, only um, black people in the in the area. So I was super different, you know? And so what I realized is that I grew up negotiating. Essentially, when you're negotiating, it's anytime you have a conversation where one or more of the people in the conversation wants something. And so in my scenario, what I wanted was acceptance. I wanted to be, uh, you know, have friends and uh, be one of the guys just like anybody else my age as a, as a young child. And so coming from that background, it, it forced me to learn how to establish rapport and connect with people um, at an early age. And so with that mindset, I was always interested in human cognition, how people think and how you can get people to essentially do what you want them to do. So in undergrad, I majored in psychology and, and minored in Spanish and foundations of law. And I really delved deeply into the, the human thought process. Then when I got to um, grad school, I, I did a dual degree. I um, got my law degree and I did a master of public policy. And while I was in law school, I discovered the negotiation course. And it was the perfect blend for me because I always had an, an entrepreneurial bug. But negotiation for me is how you can use psychology to get what you want in the business world. And the the thing that made me really realize just how powerful of a, of a, a skill negotiation is occurred when I took a class and then after I came home from class and and was having a conversation with my wife, I was able to utilize one of those techniques successfully. And so I was like, oh, this this is arguably one of the most powerful business (laughs) um, 
skills we have because it's one of the few that we use equally both at work and at home. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had an opportunity to compete in negotiation competitions at, at OSU. Uh, Ohio State University is my alma mater. And they had, now they have the top-ranked dispute resolution program in the country. And so I competed in a competition at the school, and my partner and I were able to win that competition. And then we were able to represent our school at regionals in Ottawa, Ontario, in Canada. And we won that competition as well, and then made it to the semifinals of nationals in New Orleans, Louisiana. And so after that, I was just hooked. I couldn't get enough, and I just kept learning and delving deeper into the material. And I, I realized that my passion not only lies in, in negotiating myself, but also in teaching people how to negotiate. And that's where the American Negotiation Institute came from and the podcast. Yeah, fantastic. And you have a law firm, is that correct, Kwame? Yeah, I do. And so when I, um, after I graduated, soon after I graduated, I uh, started my business law firm. So uh, like I said, my passion was entrepreneurship and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do after I graduated. And so um, I started my business law firm because I, I was like, oh, well, what's the shortest path for me to be, become an entrepreneur? And it's starting a law firm. I have my law degree and my law license. Let's do that. Mm. And the second thing, too, the second reason I did that was because it gave me the opportunity to have my hands in all sorts of different small businesses. So it's like I have my business and I get to help out a bunch of other ones. So it was a perfect blend. I knew when I was doing it that even though I enjoyed entrepreneurship and, and that type of stuff, I wasn't really passionate about practicing law. And I still have my firm. I still operate it as I'm building the Negotiation Institute, but I knew it wasn't my passion. Um, and so that's earlier this year, I decided that I was going to kind of be unapologetic in in honing my skills and and diving into what I am passionate about. And that's my negotiation and, and teaching people how to do it. And so after running the law firm for two years, I decided to start the American Negotiation Institute. And um, right now I'm running both. But the goal is to get it to a point where I can eventually phase out the law firm or sell the law firm and um, focus all of my energies towards the American Negotiation Institute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sort of maybe chuckle a bit when you mentioned that you used one of the strategies on your wife because you know, you're, you're more brave than me. If my wife found out I was using strategies on her <laughs> to get, you know, I'm only joking. I'm, I'm sure you're using it for a good thing. And look, with everything that we learn, um, <laughs> with a- anything that's of, you know, that causes us to have greater influence over others, you can use it for good or bad, but I'm sure you teach people to use it for good. So tell us what is uh, what what is the vision of the American Negotiation Institute? So is it to help business people, people outside of business, both? Is what what specifically do you want to achieve with that? For the Negotiation Institute, I, my passion is negotiation in general, and and I, it's important to realize that distinction for me because. When I was working with my business coach, he was like, who do you want to help? I was like, well, I enjoy helping entrepreneurs. However, if there's an opening in another in another field, um, I would love to use negotiation in that field. And so there, I have a number of friends who are interested in running for local office. And so I'm kind of I'm consulting with them on a political level, helping them to um, get buy in from the major power players, the major power brokers in the area, because mm-hmm. a lot of times in order to to move forward politically, you need, need to get the the blessing of the of the kingmakers and queenmakers out there. And mm-hmm. so I'm helping them to use negotiation in order to go through a process of coalition building and establishing leverage um, to position themselves well for the 
political future they want. And and that's the beautiful thing about this. Um, I have clients who are small businesses. I have clients, like I said, who are in politics. And I have clients who are um, litigators in complex litigation situations. Um, uh, for example, there's a multi-million dollar multi-party negotiation in, in tax law that I um, helped out with earlier this year. And the funny thing is, I don't know any, sorry, not tax law, it was bankruptcy. I don't know anything about bankruptcy. But what I do know is the are the principles of negotiation. And even though I don't know the law, I'm able to still take the the framework that I've created for negotiation and use it successfully. And we're able to get a deal. So that's what I enjoy. And I enjoy, uh, to your point, uh, using teaching people how to use this for for good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know, when you start to learn the keys of negotiation and persuasion, um, it, you can manipulate people. But for me, the difference between manipulation and using it just uh, in, a, in a positive way is your intent yeah. and the outcome. So when, when, when you're using it in a manipulative way, you're encouraging people to take actions that they that are in their worst that are not in their best interest that you know would ultimately hurt them and when negotiation is at their best you need to create deals that not only serve your interest well you need to serve their interest acceptably um, because when people think about negotiation always they always think about how to get more and more and more but really um, in my opinion there are three pillars of negotiation it's getting more of what you want avoiding what you don't want and strengthening relationships and it's that third pillar in my opinion that is the most important one but it's often the most missed because if you negotiate well you can get more of what you want and have people like you more in the process but if you're over aggressive and you're manipulative you're going to go for pillar one or two and sacrifice three and ultimately end up hurting yourself in the relationship in the long run yeah yeah totally i totally agree with you kwami What's interesting about negotiation is that it doesn't have to be, and a good negotiation is never win-lose, meaning that you win and someone else loses or vice versa. Negotiation can be and should be win-win. Exactly. And that's really important for people to understand that you can negotiate and both of you end up happy. Tell us some of the principles that you... that. Anyone that's listening to the podcast right now can start to use in their life, in their business, and give us maybe some examples of where they could use these principles. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that'll be good. Um, So let's start with the three things you can do to become a better negotiator. So um, the three, I I focus on three C's of to get started. So curiosity, creativity, and confidence. So with curiosity, you have to lead with questions. Um, a lot of times people think that the best way to negotiate is to um, to speak more. When, when they're trying to make a point or convince you of something, people want to dominate the conversation. But in fact, it's really the opposite. So in my negotiations, I try to have a breakdown of communication of about 70-30, where I'm, they're speaking 70, 70% of the time and I'm speaking 30% of the time. And when this happens, I know three things are happening. The first thing is that I, I'm asking great questions, and that's where the curiosity comes from. You want to come into the negotiation knowing which open-ended questions you want to ask, because when you ask the right open-ended questions, you can lead somebody down a logical path that allows them to convince themselves. Um, the second thing I realize is that I'm creating an information asymmetry, which gives me more power in the negotiation. So I can't learn when I'm talking. 
<laughs> I I can only get information when the other person's talking. So I wanted them to keep talking so I can learn more about their situation. And then the third thing, and this is something that seems a little bit counterintuitive on its face, is that when they are doing the most talking, I know that I'm exercising almost complete control over the conversation. Because think about this interview as an example. Who's controlling the conversation? It's, it's you. You're the one asking the questions. I'm doing all the talking, but I'm right. going exactly where you want me to go. And so that's, that's one of the elements of a great negotiator. And, and to one of your earlier points, creativity, that's the second C. And um, when you are creative, you don't just see the situation as a, um, as a zero-sum game. You have a more um, nuanced view of what value is. And so great negotiators don't only focus on claiming value, which is dividing the pie. They also focus on on creating value, which is expanding the pie. And then once you've brought enough things to the table that can help you and and your counterpart, um, then you divide it. But creativity is a great way to to bring more value to the table. So what's an example of this? Um, One time I was in a salary negotiation. And um, after I got the number that I wanted, I asked for a mentorship with the CEO and in introductions. And, and, and I wanted to, it to be a kind of formalized process. And for them, they were like, like yeah, of course, let's do that. Oh, let's write that into the deal right now. Um, it's, a, it's something that costs them nothing, confer, mm-hmm. um, confers a ser- significant benefit on my part. Um, and then the last thing is confidence. And confidence comes from, from taking the time to prepare. And so preparation, negotiations can be won or lost in prep. And so um, for your audience, I have a a free negotiation prep guide. So if they go to americannegotiationinstitute.com slash prep, they can download that guide and help them. It'll help them to prepare for their next negotiation. Yeah, look, I I think understanding negotiation and and these principles you've been talking about is so important. I remember hearing the story once and I, I absolutely loved it. It was about an orange. Okay, it was an orange, and there was two. <laughs> the two people they wanted the orange, and you know normally if there's two people and there's one orange and they both want the orange, there's someone's going to lose. Okay, you, you can't both be happy if you want a whole orange and you're not willing. You know you don't want half an orange. You need you need the whole orange. Someone's going to lose, right? However. If they if they do some of the things that you mentioned, which is uh, the first one you mentioned was listening, curiosity, and discussing. If they discussed it, what they would have realized is that, and they did actually, they did talk about it eventually. And what they realized was one of them was interested in eating the orange, the other one wanted needed all the whole rind because they're making a specific type of cake. They needed orange rind. Right. Now, what, because once they understood that, then it was easy to come up with a solution where both of them were happy. Negotiation and these skills that we're talking about, yeah, just so important. They, they can really change things totally, totally. Do you have any other examples, Kwame, of where negotiation has been able to take a situation from maybe from being where there was possibly no winners or one winner to everyone being happy. Oh, sorry, I hope I don't put you on the spot with that one. Oh no, it's it's my the difficulty in this question is just is is coming in with with one example. <laughs> There's so many, and so um, 
Here's an example. Um, one time I was working on behalf of one of my clients as in my career as a business lawyer. And um, my client uh, asked me to review a lease that really she already signed the lease. And I was like, there's very little I can do <laughs> at this point since you've signed the lease. But mm. one thing that people don't realize is that contracts can be altered if both sides agree to it agree to the alteration. So I, again, my one of my things is in negotiation, the first step in any negotiation is asking for what you want. And that unfortunately, that's where the majority of negotiations fail, because people fail to ask for what they want, or they fail to recognize that they can. And so in this situation, most people will say, well, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck, because, you know, the contract's signed. But uh -huh. I went ahead and asked. And so it, it my, um, client was moving her business to a new location. And so, of course, when you're moving to a new location, it's going to take a little bit of time to get back to where you were as far as um, cash flow goes. So she's going to be very cash sensitive in the first year. And so the, let's say just to get a, a flat number here, the, the, the total cost of the contract was going to be $100,000 for five years. Mm -hmm. And so what I said to the other party. Of course, I asked for more than what I wanted or anticipated getting. That's a process called anchoring. And so I asked, well, you, it, what, what, kind of, what kind of flexibility do you have on the total cost of the, uh, the contract? How much can we lower the entire cost of the contract? They're like, well, we don't want to move. And I said, that's fine. How about this? How about we re... How about we adjust the payment schedule so that she doesn't pay any anything for the first year she's there, but then that um, that money is shifted to the back end. So it'll be right. more expensive on the back end, but in that cash sensitive time, she would be able to uh, go without paying any any rent. And so they they agreed to that. And so right. even though the total number did change, the deal was restructured in a way that was beneficial to my client. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. Can you maybe share with us, Kwame, what's some common mistakes when when you're when you see people that have gone into negotiations or when you're negotiating with people, what's some common mistakes that people make during the negotiation phase? Yeah, and I think we covered two of the biggest ones, but I'll go deeper into some of the other ones. The two biggest ones are failing to ask appropriate questions um, and thinking that they can convince people because uh, because when you think about it, you can't convince anybody of anything. They need to convince themselves. And so, John, if we were in a conversation, if we were negotiating and I got you to change your mind on, on something and you're, you go back to your, your wife and she says, John, why, what made you change your mind? Well, you know, I was negotiating with Kwame and he's just so smart and overwhelmed me with these points that I had no, no choice but to concede. <laughs> that's, that's never going to happen. Really what happened is you might say something like, well, you know, after I, I thought about it a little bit differently and then I came to a different conclusion after I thought about it. And so that's the, the art of negotiation. That what, that's really what persuasion looks like. You are able to create people to come to the conclusions themselves. And that's what you want to do because deals that are created simply by force are deals that are very poorly they don't have a lot of enforcement, meaning that if I were to bully you into an agreement, even if we sign a contract, you are going to be looking for every way to kind of get out of that agreement. Whereas mm -hmm. if it's something where you feel like you had 
a part in the creation of the deal. It's a, it's a deal that will be more self-enforcing because you're like, this is a deal that I work to create and I'm not going to destroy something that I help to create. And um, this work, this point goes hand in hand with preparation because in my prep, I will prepare for like a 10 minute conversation. I would probably prep for about, about 45 minutes going through my systematic preparation. And and in my preparation, I, I write out a list of all of the open-ended questions that I want to ask because it's really difficult to come up with an open-ended question, a high-level open-ended question on the fly. It's tough to do. And so I have all of mine prepared. And a great example of this happened, <laughs> happened this week um, with, uh, with the same client, actually. Um, she owed about $2,500 on a, on a um, lease agreement from the past. It was it was now she was moving. She moved to this, the new location successfully, but she still owed the last place twenty five hundred dollars. And so obviously it's an open, open and shut thing. Contractually, she's owed. And so I set it up like this. I called them, uh, the company and asked them uh, open ended questions. My goal in this first conversation wasn't to get an offer on the table or anything. I just wanted to understand their process. Essentially, it's like if you don't pay. We will sue you. OK, got it. Thank you. Very straightforward. <laughs> and so All I right. went and talked. Client, I was like, is there any kind of monthly number that you could accept that could work for you? And she said, well, I could probably do about $200 a month um, to try and get this off, uh, to hold them off from paying until I can, from, from suing until I can get the lump sum. And so I went into that negotiation, the next negotiation, um, the call this, this week, um, I prepped for about half an hour. And I had all of my offers lined up that I was going to do. I had what I was going to ask. Everything was all prepared. I go into that conversation. I make my offer. I have. I, I set it up really well. And then she agreed to accepting payments of $25 a month. Wow. <laughs> not, not $200, but $25 a month on a yeah. $2,500 debt. And um, that conversation took one minute. Yes. I looked at the phone. It was one minute of work. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, the the work was done beforehand in the preparation. Yeah, that's that's a great point that you make, Kwame, about being uh, prepared. It gives you that confidence, and while while you can be, it, you need two things. I think you need to be super prepared, but also be flexible too. Because if you you went in there saying, "Okay, we're going to give you," you know, "we're going to we're going to pay you two hundred dollars." Then there's no way they would have said that twenty five. They would they wouldn't have mentioned that twenty five. Exactly. So timing is important. Giving getting a chance for for them to speak, like and you also mentioned that previously. Give, let them do a lot of the talking, and but just be super prepared. And and actually, I remember another uh, story that I heard about negotiation. And there was a, a particular person bought a vehicle, and they were given a warranty for for this vehicle for a year okay so it was a i can't remember if it was new or used car but anyway they're given a warranty for a year about nine months after purchasing the vehicle that they, they were having some mate they had some major issues they basically were directed to take the car back to where they purchased it because they they had the 12 month warranty to get this issue fixed and it was um I, th- I think it was serious rust damage so they go back to the car dealer and the car dealer says oh mm-hmm. actually the um the warranty, the company that issued the warranty has gone under. The warranty is now useless. The company no longer exists that underwrote this uh, this warranty. Mm. However, the person, the, the victim in this case, or the person that owned the car that was having the problems, they had done their research 
and they had found, and this is before they they went to the car dealer, and they had found out that yes, the, the company had gone under that covered the warranty. However, they were a subsidiary of the car dealer, and they mentioned that to the car dealer. They threatened to take litigation if something wasn't done, and the car dealer they took care of the problem. Understanding all your options and being prepared can have a massive difference on the outcome. Absolutely. Any other thoughts, Kwame, that you had for us? Any insights? Any final thoughts? Maybe before we end today's podcast. Yeah, I, the biggest thing that I want people to understand in this process is that negotiation, above all else, is a skill, and skills can be learned. And the th- thing is, the way, the best way to get better at negotiation, there are two ways. First of all, you need to expose yourself to resources. So shameless plug, my my podcast, Negotiation for Entrepreneurs, you can learn some quick tips there. Uh, But it's really geared towards business professionals. And so I want to make sure that I don't over-intellectualize the the material and make it easily actionable to to you and your business. Uh, The second thing is you need to take the step to to ask for what you want and negotiate. And one thing that I do is I engage in what I call rejection therapy, where I ask for things that I know I have no right <laughs> to get. And it has two benefits. Um, first benefit is I could ask for something and I could get it. So that's really cool. <laughs> the second benefit is I ask for something I'm and I'm rejected. And I realize that it's not the end of the world. My heart continues to beat. And it makes me stronger when I want to ask for the, the, most imp- the more important things. So here's an example. I was at a coffee shop um, a couple months ago for my birthday, and they gave me free pastry. Um, they're like, happy birthday. Here's your free pastry. But I was with one of, the, one of my mentees, and I said, well, thank you for the pastry. But um, I'm here with my friend. Can he get a pastry too? Of course, there's no, he has no right <laughs> for a free pastry. Um, but they, they gave it to him. You know, and they, I looked at the receipt, and it said miscellaneous discount. And it makes you realize that even though this was a chain restaurant, a big restaurant, um, there's flexibility everywhere. And if you, if there's something you want, ask for it. If I didn't get it, I wouldn't have been embarrassed because I've done this so many times, but a lot of times people fail to ask for two reasons. They fail because they don't want to seem greedy and they don't want to seem needy. And the majority of times, if you do this the right way and approach everybody in the situation with respect, you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. People won't look any differently, um, look at you any differently, and you can um, get more of what you want in the process. Thank you for that, Kwame. It's interesting too when you talk about that, that some parts of the world, it's normal to negotiate. It's actually, it's strange if you don't. You know, it's expected. So it depends where you go too. Like I've I've visited some places that, like for example, you look at the they have two prices. They have the local price and the tourist price, and the tourist price is way above the local what the locals will pay. And you're expected to negotiate. It's totally normal. And you mentioned earlier too, and I don't want to finish without reminding people that you have besides your podcast, you have some free uh, sorry free resources available for our listeners as well. Right. So if you have a negotiation coming up and you want to prepare, um, usually it's hard to go 24 hours without negotiating. So you have a negotiation coming up. Um, you can go to the website, negotiation, American, American negotiation com slash 
prep to download that prep guide. And for people who are considering going into a business partnership, I have a free resource for you there too. It's called, if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash partnership, you can download a free partnership success guide. Because as a business lawyer, I've realized I've seen too many good businesses fail because of bad relationships. And so leaning on my business law background and my negotiation background, I teach um, business partners how to negotiate with each other and how to resolve disputes. Because the people with whom we negotiate the most are the people who are closest to us. And we need to learn how to have these conversations. Because when you're going into a business partnership, you can, you have, you're running the risk of getting burned by your business partner. You never want to have that scenario. So you want to be able to have these difficult conversations. And um, this guide will help to identify issues that you have within your business partnership and um, it'll help you to identify those issues and then walk through it. And um, that's one of the things that I've done in the past consulting with different companies, helping them to have those difficult conversations about equity, expectations and everything. Because when, when there's a problem in the relationship, the business suffers as a result. So my goal is to make sure everybody's on the same page. So you form a firm foundation and move forward and make money or if necessary, um, break up the business because negotiation is the art of deal discovery, not the art of deal making. You know, your, your goal is to go in there and see if there is a deal to be had. And and sometimes in these companies, I've, we've come to the conclusion there isn't. They're just completely incompatible. And this process gives you the clarity to either move forward with confidence or break up the business knowing that it's the right decision. Yeah, it's so true. It's best best to do that at the beginning before you get started. Rather than down the track, right? Yeah. And this is true not just in business, but in relationships too. I know when uh, before my wife and I got married, we talked about this. Actually, I, I did some research. I, I did a search on Google questions you should ask your fiance before you get married, and so we had these conversations before we got married, and so we knew it was going to work out for us. Rather than you know having the conversations later after we got married and realize, oh, you don't want to have kids. It's all like. Oh, okay. You know, stuff like that could be, you know, big, big deal breakers. Right. Well, and and it's so important that you did that because um, uh, business partnerships are essentially a relationship second only to marriage. And sometimes you see these business businesses start in essentially the, the the business equivalent of the infatuation stage. I like you. You like me. Let's start a business tomorrow. And now you're you're connected with this person for a long time and you're intermingling funds and it's hard to get out once you've already gotten in. So yeah, your listeners should approach it like you approached your your marriage, um, asking questions and figuring things out beforehand. Mm. Thank you so much, Kwame, for being with us today. I really appreciate the stuff that you shared. It's so valuable to us. So grateful for your time and your expertise today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you everyone for being here today with us on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. As a way of saying thank you for being a loyal listener, I've got a very special gift for you. You can get immediate access to my online business coaching program for free. These step-by-step videos will show you how to set up your website, create an automated sales funnel, and also how to drive targeted traffic to your business for literally pennies per click. It's ready for you to access right now. Simply head on over to johnslikes.com forward slash podcast. This is John Lagadaka signing off. I'll see you all next time.